Now, in the couple weeks since I've taken over this show, we've had a conversation sort of keep coming up in different ways, and it's about women in positions of power. And specifically right now, we're going to get into a conversation looking at women in politics. Should they run? Should they not run? What are some incentives for women to get into politics, if at all? We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who is a Banting postdoctoral researcher at the Department of Political Science at Columbia University, and she's the incoming assistant professor of Canadian politics at the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto. So needless to say, she's got a wealth of experience and knowledge. Dr. Semra Sevi is joining the show. Dr. Sevi, thank you so much for making the time. Thanks for having me, Chelsea. Doug, you wrote a, you wrote an opinion piece for theconversation.com, and it's talking about women entering politics to run or not to run. Before we get into some of the obstacles that I think women face and what support I think is needed uniquely for women in these types of positions, why did you want to why did you want to get into this article? Why did you want to write this? Well, that's a great question. I've been looking at uh, the topic of whether women should run or not, or just women in politics and more generally for several years now. Um, I think it's important to study the question because if we want uh, our parliament to be more representative of the country that it uh, that it represents, we need to see how it's capturing the different diversities in the in the population. And women happen to be 50% of the population, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a good starting point to look at it um, and then to look at the different types of other diverse, diverse groups that are also perhaps lacking representation in parliament. I mean, there's, as you write in your article, only 30% of seats in the House of Commons held by women. So if we're looking to achieve gender parity, we're looking to achieve 50%, we do certainly have a long way to go. Now, you're going to get people that that say, well, I mean, look, it has to be about who's qualified for the job, regardless of gender. What do you say to that? Yeah, well, it doesn't seem that women are less qualified than men, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so women are underrepresented at all levels of government in Canada. And we're not talking about, like, trying to find thousands of women who are eligible or are of the same quality of men. Uh, women have... Uh, women. Uh, have the same type of women of the same type of qualities, credentials, uh, qualifications, ambitions uh, as men uh, tend to run for politics in less numbers than women do. So it's not about it's not like we can't find thousands of women who are who have good qualities to be able to run. Um, it's the fact that even even the very qualified are not showing up to to put their name forward on the ballot. What are some of the reasons why? What are some of the obstacles that would be unique for women that want to enter into politics? So the good news uh, is that it's not because voters are unwilling to vote for women or that donors are unwilling uh, to donate to women. In fact, my work shows that when women do run for office, they do just as well as their men counterparts. Uh, They're just as likely to win their races. Uh, Women are also not shying away from competition in the same way that they have in the past. Um, so the issue is not about demand for women MPs or that they're not able to get elected. Uh, it's also not that they are more risk-averse to run an election. What seems to be the problem is that women are less likely to run than their men uh, counterparts in the first place. And there's a few different reasons for this. The, the, the first is that uh, women, even, the, even, even in the top tier uh, professions as men, are more likely to also be responsible for household tasks uh, and child care. So this makes running for office a very unattractive position to start with. Mm-hmm. The second is that 
Um, men with the exact same credentials and qualifications as women are far more likely to think that they have what it takes to run for politics. Um, and then third, and this is the, 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 the focus that I'd like to go into my future research, is that women are less likely to be recruited to run for office. Uh, so they're less likely to receive the suggestion to run from party officials, leaders, uh, but also from their friends and family. Uh, so the research here shows that when you're recruited to run, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, you're far more likely to emerge as a candidate. But women receive less uh, recruitment messages or encouragement to run for politics than their men counterparts. Is that just because it's widely accepted that, uh, for some of the reasons that you just mentioned, this it remains a predominantly male industry? I mean, just to go back to, to, your, to your previous point about, you know, so many more of the, the household tasks or just the daily running of the family or the household typically falls to the woman. How do you then reframe a job in politics to accommodate that? Or, or can you? Does this just remain a profession that just doesn't necessarily work for women? Right. So if the cyclical cycle continues where men continue to run far more uh, than women do and men are more likely to be elected because there's just more of them uh, than, than women, then sure, we'll continue to have this unrepresentation in, in parliament. But I think we can incentivize politics. Uh, like having a job in politics is uh, not a desirable or appealing position for men and women. It's not that it's more uh, undesirable for women than it is for men. Um, it's of the same, uh, both men and women think it's an undesirable position, yet men are more likely to go for it anyway. Hmm. So I think one way that we can um, look at this is that when we have more women in politics, we're also more likely to prioritize issues that affect women and families, uh, such as child care, elder care, health care, and so on. So these issues tend to get more debate when we have more women in politics. So increasing women presence in parliament might actually bring about more family-friendly legislation. I think that, you know, we have to look at this as a unique situation for, for men and women because I think that there are so many... There are just so many differences when it comes to a woman that wants to enter politics in terms of the things that she may or may not have to deal with. Like, for example, some of the vitriol that ex that exists on social media. I wonder how you make politics an exciting career prospect or aspiration when you know some of the hate that you'll experience online. I, I want you to address that, uh, Dr. Sevi, but we do have to take just a little break. So if you'll hang on the line, we'll be right back in three minutes. We're going to get back into this conversation talking about women in politics to run or not to run good afternoon and welcome back to the show We're talking about women in politics to run or not to run that's the name of the article written by our guest who is a banting postdoctoral researcher at the department of political science at columbia university she's also the incoming assistant professor of canadian politics at the department of political science at the university of toronto dr semra sevi is back with us dr sevi thank you so much for hanging out on hold for just a couple of minutes uh I I want you to address my last question as, as I was kind of hinting at it right before we went to break. There is just, I think, a disproportionate amount of hate that women face online. Why would a woman want to enter into politics when you know some of the vitriol that exists for a public figure? 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. The research does support that women politicians are held to different and oftentimes higher performance and qualification standards than their men counterparts. Um, and you're right to say that women in politics do receive um, a lot of sexualized and uh, trivialized type of messages, even when they emerge as candidates or or when they're running to be uh, the leader of a party, for example. We've seen this in the Canadian context over and over again. Um, but the, the matter... The point is, is that I don't think it's a coincidence that we're talking about a national child care uh, program in Canada when we also have the first gender balance uh, cabinet. We want to make sure that women are not missing from the room when decisions are being made about um, issues that affect them the most. Mm -hmm. So it's important for them to run in politics if they want to be represented and they want their issues to be on, uh, in, to be taken into consideration in terms of legislations and policies that come forward. There's obviously, um, as we're having this conversation, the ability for some of our texters or our listeners, excuse me, to text in and weigh in on our conversation. And there's a really good comment that I, I want to get your thoughts on. This is from Jay. He texts in and he says, uh, a lot of this has to do with ideology alone. A vast amount, he says, of well-educated middle-aged women disproportionately support socialist policies and parties like the Liberals or NDP. And on the flip side, a disproportionate number of educated middle-aged men support conservative policy and the conservative parties in Canada. May this have something to do with the sexes getting pigeonholed into their ideologies as well? And what about the diversity and inclusivity incentives? Seems that seems to me that parties would want to recruit more women then. What do you say to that? Does he, do you think that he's right? Well, I think parties do uh, gain a lot from having a diverse uh, slate of candidates. So they should recruit more diversity in their in their party to, to be more representative of the country that they want to capture. And women happen to be 50% of the population, so why not start there? Hmm. But do you agree that, that it seems that more, uh, as Jay is alluding to, more women tend to, at least anecdotally, based on, I'm not sure what th where this information comes from in this text, that more females would support a socialist party like liberals or NDP and more men would, con would support more conservative parties. Do you agree with that? Perhaps, but that's, that's, I mean, it, it's not actually uh, as black and white as, as, as it's suggestive, right? Um, certainly there is, you know, this, this idea of a voter's perception and, and what actual reality are, and they can be different. And until more women are elected and they demonstrate uh, that they have different types of views, it could be that they have some socialist uh, types of views, but it could also mean we've seen many women on the right as well. Mm. Um, like Ronna Ambrose is a very good example of that in more recent um, elections. But we have uh, women across all different parties that have different types of ideologies. So it might be that voters' perception and actual reality aren't the same, and as, uh, until we have more women elected across different parties um, you know they might be at a disadvantage uh, across some voters but really at the aggregate um, although we have seen some high-profile losses of women at the individual level at the aggregate level women who do run fare just as well as their men counterparts um, so it's really about getting them to put their name forward on the ballot and I'm glad that you made that point once again, because someone on the text line is alluding to, what about the voters? Uh, they say if 50% of voters are women, then why aren't these women being landslided right into winning seats? They say it's just like the WNBA. Women aren't voting for women because they're not the right person for the job. Does this have to do with the, the voting public and perhaps more men voting than women? 
No, I don't think so. There's no evidence to suggest that voters are biased against women at different levels of um, government in Canada, across different uh, types of elections, um, whether we look at it longitudinally, look at it um, in more recent elections. There was voter bias in the past, but that just doesn't seem to be the case right now. Um, women are no longer at a disadvantage when they run, in part because they are seen as strong, competent leaders. Um, attitudes towards women in politics have changed across time. Uh, so voters do acknowledge uh, that they have a different voice, uh, and that is appealing to voters. Um, and, and, you know, they're voting women in. When they run, they get elected. The problem is they're not running um, in, in the, the types of numbers that they're uh, representing the, in the population. Dr. Sevi, Dr. Sevi, excuse me, thank you so much for, for sharing your perspective and for answering some of these questions. Uh, really appreciate your time and your work on this. Thank you for having me. Of course. Take care. That's Dr. Semra Sevi, incoming assistant professor of Canadian politics, the Department of Political Science at the University of Toronto. Thanks for texting in as we're having this conversation. Sometimes I like to get some of your questions on uh, as we're discussing them with a the guest. Uh, I like the really well-written ones, not like this one that says being in politics is a, is a public service. It's a duty. So it's no wonder women are unlikely to want to do it compared to men. It's like wondering why more when men want to be soldiers. Not sure what the implication is supposed to be there, that women can't uphold duty, that we can't make literally all of the people in the world and then fulfill our duty to raise them. Not sure what point you're trying to make there. So if you want to elaborate on that one, you definitely can.